I'm Melissa Chapel. I'm Sophie Williams. Welcome to our podcast, Autism Biotistics. sensory processing yeah. not just issues we'll talk about you know the, the whole thing the whole thing because there's there's good parts to sensory stuff i think yeah it's just i think it's more bad overall but that just might be me no i think that's the case <laughs> we have been um on a slight break after the fifth episode just because we've both had so much going on um but we are going back to once a week it's going to be consistent and there will be two apps this week actually because we've got just a short special edition, one in a different format. Um, so getting on to sensory processing, I think the main thing is the hypo and hyper is the main sort of split with sensory issues. Yeah, I think it's one of those things because for me, everyone talks about more hypersensitivities and then yeah, they do. Hypo I don't like, actually think that this? many people know about hypersensitivities, no. to be honest. You're going to explain it. You're better at this than me. <laughs> so hypersensitivity is when everything feels very intense. So let's use the example of touch. If you're hypersensitive to touch, it would take the tiniest bit of touch to put you into a state of sensory overload. Um, or you would perceive it on a higher level than somebody who's not hypersensitive to touch. Hyposensitive is when you don't perceive something as much as equilibrium, so as much as standard. So if we compare to a neurotypical who doesn't have any sensory difficulties, um, some an autistic person who is hypersensitive will be a lot more reactive than the neurotypical person, and someone who's hyposensitive won't react as much at all, which that can be an issue because with the example of touch, um, they might not feel pain in the same way, so they might not know when something serious has happened with their health. So both have considerations that are important, but one is too much perception and one is not quite enough, and that's the hypo, where the hyper is too much perception. That's a lovely explanation. <laughs> I think the other thing I saw on um, Twitter or Facebook, I'll try and find it and put it on our Twitter page, mm-hmm. and it was the idea of people being sensory seekers or sensory avoiders. Yeah. And it was very clear cut that you're either one or the other, and that is not the case. No, it's not. And I think even I just sort of thought about myself, not anyone else, and it's like, no, I'm definitely a really big mixture. Well, it ties into the hypo and hypersensitivity because that's a good point, actually. Like, not it's not a case of there's a divide in the community of this small group of autistics are hyposensitive and that small group's group is hyper. It can change by sense. Um, it can even change, like, within the example of touch. Yeah. You might be hypersensitive to some types of touch and hyper to others. It's really complex like that. Um, and going back to what you said about sensory seekers and sensory avoiders, I think it comes back to whether you're hyper or hyposensitive. Yeah. Most of the time, if someone's hypersensitive to something, they want to avoid it because it's too much to process. Whereas somebody that's hypersensitive, that's why you see of, like, the weighted blankets it provides you a bit more so you're getting closer to the equilibrium of normal perception and that feels very um comforting and and nice to experience yeah i think even within the same sense as you were saying about you can be 
both for different things, like choosing <laughs> like weighted blankets. Mine should be arriving tomorrow. <laughs> You'll have to let me know what it is. Oh my god, you! I'll be putting pictures. I'll put pictures <laughs> up on the Twitter with my lovely tree tree pattern blanket, and it's really light touches and things like tickling. I can't bear. Whereas yeah. like really deep, like I'm quite a huggy person, <laughs> and those like deep being wrapped up and like really intense like feelings of touch that's like fine and I actually seek that out yeah so I think that's the thing it's like oh they're fine with touch it's like no 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 it's tight yeah and I think that's one of the biggest things I found when I've been around neurotypical people with hearing and like noise because noise for me it's not about the volume it's the type of noise yeah because I was with a group of friends and they would be you know quite loud group of us and there was alcohol so of course you naturally sort of become a bit louder for some reason and when like we sort of all went to like go and get more snacks and things one of the guys said to me are you all right are we being too loud and i said no it's fine because that kind of noise doesn't bother me yeah exactly there is a distinct difference in what kind of bothers you when coming back to the touch example i'm very similar to you for years i thought i was hypersensitive because i just couldn't cope with like any slight touch i had to pick certain clothing um like if you put like something feathery on my skin it's like nope yeah no <laughs> um, but then i realized it was actually after watching atypical with alex and he pointed out like you're just as sensitive as sam but when he hugs his friend and his friend is like deep pressure he's fine and for years i couldn't do hugs and then when i thought back i realized i don't know if i've said this before actually um when i was little and i used to hug my granddad i used to get told off because I thought a hug was how much you love them. I love this. So yeah, I told be... me. It's so, it's so cute, though. <laughs> but my poor granddad was getting, like, almost strangled with the extreme deep pressure. And then I realised that the reason I just couldn't hug people anymore was because I'd started to condition myself into, okay, people don't like that. That's going to give a negative reaction, so be a bit lighter. And I couldn't go with light hugs. So watching Atypical made me realise, like, just a bit of deep pressure, that's fine because... It's as though I'm hyposensitive to some touches and hyper to others. It's just like, it's, it's not fun for us to figure out. No, it's not. It takes a long time. It's weird. I don't come from like a really huggy family. It's just me. It sort of pounces on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like I still am now. My mum's like, you know what? I know some people who were like, oh, my children aren't huggy. My mum's like, why are you still cuddly? Why? <laughs> it's awkward hugs. I can't cope with, you know, like, I describe them as spider hugs because it feels <laughs> feel like big spider arms, like, <laughs> encompassing you. And as like, it turns no. out, Melissa, of all the things I know in life, I don't know what it feels like when a spider, because when I see a spider, I run away. I shout, no, mother, like... come save me from the spider. I don't hug it. <laughs> I don't hug them either, just to... Animals, we've got animals this <laughs> But, like, if you just picture those big spindly arms, like, touching you in a hug, that's what it feels like. You're like, oh, no. And, like, big deep hugs, not, like, spider hugs. Big bear hugs, big hugs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let you get hugs. See, no one knows what it's like to hug a bear, but that's an analogy. Yeah, but bears are nice. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't bears not, like, people. you know... Spider hugs aren't nice and that matches. It's not like incy wincy spider decided <laughs> to just be like, oh, I'm going to give someone a hug and then go off up the water spout. <laughs> I remember saying to a friend, please don't hug me, you hug like a spider. And they just sort of looked at me. <laughs> what are you on about? You need to, your friendship needs to come with some warning of you'll say some weird, to be fair, mine does. I come out with some things. I think one of the questions I want to ask you is if you are to pick, like, what is the sense you sort of struggle with the most? Out of all of them. Out of all of them. 
Okay. Is this too much pressure? Do you mean a whole sense or a part of a sense? Of like, and even just a part, like what? What is like me? I'll rephrase it. What is the biggest sensory struggle? I'm going to have to think out loud here. I'm so sorry for like this breaking is gonna this be apart. hysterical though. <laughs> <laughs> so I am. Um, as I said, there's a mix with touch, but it is a problem um, with some textures, especially like clothing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at your list here. I'll blow your mind with I other am senses. hypersensitive to sight, but it doesn't actually bother me because I'm so used to it. I think it's probably sound. Sound would be the worst one. But again, I love big, loud, booming concerts because the special interest takes over, whereas... Or that like other kinds of repetitive noise that isn't a song. So I'd probably say sound, but again, it's very yeah. split in the kinds of I mean, of that's sound. all interesting stuff, but it's really hard to like pinpoint like what's the worst. Because like, I mean, I'm sort of the sitting now I've asked you, like for me, I definitely would say sound because mm-hmm. fire alarms for me are like instant borderline yeah. meltdown. They're not quite full meltdown the way they used to be. Thunder, thunder is a very distressing experience yeah. for me. I don't. I really struggle with thunder. I always have. Well, I'm interested in because I I don't know if you use this, but I use active noise cancellation, um, and that really helps when my hearing's gone into overload. But even if there's absolutely no issues with the hearing sensitivity, even if like it's more of an emotional overload that's going on, just dulling down my hearing takes away some processing and it helps me get back from overload. Yeah, I think for me, because I've definitely got better than average hearing. Yeah, me too. And I think... Because I can, like, hear the Wi-Fi and electricity in the house. Yeah. It's horrible. Grandma's funny, because, like, I'll hear things in the other room because my grandma's really deaf. <laughs> um, so shouting is pretty much how we communicate when she's <laughs> not got a hearing aid in. And then she doesn't tell us she's got it in. And she doesn't tell us, so we all shout it. And then she's like, you're being too loud. And it's like, because you've not told us to shut up. <laughs> Real simple. And like now I'll tap my ear in case like she hasn't got it in and I'm not shouting it. Uh, and it's just kind of like, and then she'll be like, the ears. Because of course I can hear all the stuff. And I'll like reply to a conversation in the other room. And it's like, my one calls it my supersonic ear. And... It is, isn't it? It's like, yeah. you can just hear everything and anything. But I do wonder, like obviously for us, any kind of noise cancellation is helpful. But I wonder if you're autistic or even if you've just got like a sensory condition and you don't have any trouble with your hearing, I wonder if noise cancellation still helps because it's just all in one sense down. It's weird it? though, I, I've become so reliant and sort of used to having such like really great hearing. I got a really bad cold and lost like my ears sort of. Oh, yeah, went. when it's gone like out I, of your control and I can't move and I. So the reason why I won't get drunk as well because I'm so used to being so really sensory aware. Yeah. I never want to have those senses dulled. Like my mum found it hysterical when I was in distress at my hearing. Because I always moan that you hear every noise. And I'm like, yeah, but now it's weird. It's gone. Yeah. Like, what, 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 what is this? Is this what it's like to be normal? <laughs> like, <laughs> How do you The come? headphones don't bother me because I know I can take them off. I'm yeah. like, my senses are back now that I want them back. Mm. But as you say, like... I've had some trouble, basically. I've just got touchy sinuses. So sometimes my ears go like quite ringy and I can't hear it properly. Yeah. And I hate that because it's like, I've not chosen that. And it's just a new type of sensory issue. I can't actually hear what I need to hear. So then, yeah, it's just not fun. Yeah, it's definitely... There's things like... Because my computer, because I've got a gaming PC, it's quite like the fans. Mm-hmm. I can always hear them on. But you quite like computer noises, don't I you? I love... I find it so comforting. I am... Um... 
when I was in high school, I did one to one teaching and I didn't have it. I could have had it at home, but I didn't want it at home. I wanted to sort of, one was like, she needs to get off the house, basically. Um, <laughs> which was fair enough looking back. And everyone was like, will you be all right? Because it was like, I've been quite like honest about like my sensory stuff. Because mm-hmm. that was the one thing I sort of was always aware of. My hearing's always been better. Yeah. And it's it was next to the server room. And everyone was like, will you be all right? And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really comforting, like the hum of computers. Like I watch stuff on a laptop and fall asleep to like nice little fans and it kicks and it's great. My family are like driven crazy by keyboard noises. And I love them. I'm like, oh, I love a noisy keyboard. It's great. Depends on the noise, actually. I mean, I if it's like angry with... type and I don't like it, but if it's just like a natural tip tap. This is me calling out my brother. So we go on the Discord. And it's got a set of rules. The rules are mostly just stupid rules. But the first one is no tippy tappers, which is no keyboard <laughs> typing. Guess who's the worst offender? It's See, like, I quite like that in the background. No, if you're typing so loud, it can be picked up over okay, a microphone. Yeah. It's a problem. <laughs> and especially because he set that rule. Oh, right. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. And it's just kind of, yeah, because, I mean, even like in the open plan office, it's kind of like, you'll hear like angry typing. I mean... If it's my type and I think I like it, I think it's one of those. It's like clicking pens. I always click pen. Like, it's such a stim oh, thing yeah. for See, me. Again, if anyone else if dares click a pen. other people are doing it, it can be difficult. It's got to be my noise. It could be my stim And noise. it depends. Like, if you're doing it, you're probably coping well. It's probably yeah. common. Whereas if someone else is doing it and you're not coping, then it can be like, oh, no. I, I had a friend. I regret that now. And she was having a rough day. I wasn't in this class. And she could be quite, she had like really expressive eyes because she had really pale <laughs> blue eyes and like dark eyebrows. So she was really expressive. Like she was one of the few people that I met and didn't instantly struggle with facial <laughs> expressions. It was quite funny. I was like, oh my gosh, I know what your face means. <laughs> and one of the guys in her class was like clicking a pen and she turned around and was like, if you click that pen one more time. And he just got, and I can just imagine like this guy just freezing and being like, I'm not going to do it. But I get it. I've been at that point sometimes where it's like, if that noise happens one more time, someone's, someone's getting like, I'm going to go into meltdown on the screen. I'm wondering how you feel about ASMR because it drives me bloody insane. I've not overly listened to it, but I suppose like the certain sounds I find really comforting. Yeah. I love the sound of rain. Rain, but, rain's nice. Rain is, but not wind. like man-made or that. Like basically ASMR, they like whisper into the microphone. Oh, That's just oh. creepy because I think <laughs> I think whispering's quite creepy in yeah. general. I think like continuous whispering's like really creepy. My mom, she's not autistic, but she started to have some sensory problems with like another condition. And I was so smug when she started to be able to feel all the seams of clothes. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, I know it's like for me. <laughs> I think like even if somebody gets seriously ill, yeah, just having that widespread pain can cause it all of a sudden to become a problem. Yeah, and then all of a sudden people get it, don't they? Yeah, I must admit. I mean, I could have been more supportive of it rather than just being smug. Like, yeah, this is what it's like. <laughs> the biggest thing with ASMR is people chewing. No, ASMR. Sorry, misophonia is people chewing. Yeah. Like, it literally gets you to boil and point. I was like, raised, going to it was rude to chew with your mouth open or, like, you know, chew oh. normal. Like, I don't get it. It's not even just chewing with mouth open. It's like, I like to eat in an isolated room. Depends, because, like, actually, the open plan doesn't really bother me because there's yeah. that many people doing different things at any one time. I think it's more if there was, like, if there was me and, like, one other person eating exactly. fully crisps. You know, you know what's the worst when people are eating is trains? 
like the office is fine because I think mm. we're spread out more. But trains, mm-hmm. if someone's like really crinkly or got Any, really like, stinky, I love the quiet coach. Like, no. Quiet coach is glorious because you can just avoid all the train noise of other people on their phone or chewing. You can just chill. <laughs> I think I've ticked quiet coach, but I'm not sure if I'm actually on the quiet coach or not. Oh, some I people don't, don't respect it, which is annoying. It's like if you want to make noise, go on a different coach, please. <laughs> to be fair, then my brothers try to speak to me when I'm on like a train with them, and I'm like, no, quiet. <laughs> I mean, we talk on the train. Yeah, it's like <laughs> go to my chest like that. That's an hour of we talking. We talk a lot though. <laughs> we do. We do talk. I talk a lot in general. I think sight. What you saying? Sight. But you. Um. I never thought I was light sensitive, but the mm-hmm. more I've read it into it, the more I realised I really struggle with light sensitivity to the point I wear sunglasses all year round, and even on cloudy days. The problem with me is it's quite a strange one. Is I didn't actually know that I was sensitive at all to sight. Yeah. Um. Until it was actually triggered by a lot of stress, I suddenly started to suffer with ocular migraines. So like migraines are bad enough on their own, but an ocular migraine is all of a sudden there's like light flashes in your eye and it's a bit of a panic because you have to run to the optician and make sure like your retina is not detaching. Um, but it means that now like I have to have, you know, the night filters on all your tech. So at yeah. a certain time it becomes like an orange tint. They've now made that a standard in new tech, but you can download it on the internet. Yeah, I must admit, because like when I got my new phone, like this year, like last year actually, oh God, that's so um, <laughs> Dark mode as well. Yeah, dark it has, I use dark mode in everything. Like it's been great using. I always read with black background on my text mm-hmm. when I can, that's what you read is a great. I can't have big lights on if I'm working. I have to have a little lamp on, otherwise I'll start getting flashes. I'll start getting things in my eyes that aren't meant to be there. And as well, like, talking about text, if I'm, like, writing something up or reading something, you know, like, the visual effects you see where it's, like, look at this picture of, and it'll be, like, Elvis or someone, it's a black outline on white background. Yeah. And it's supposed to imprint in your vision. That happens to me with normal text now, which is a nightmare. Yeah, so I, I have to like have, like, all filters on. your brain. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> that doesn't happen to me all the time. Mine's definitely, it's, like, even looking back on those little, I always preferred reading in a side, like, a dark, cupboard dark wardrobe <laughs> with like a torture or game boy for like i work in low lighting i read in low light and it freaks everyone out like i've started for some reason doing work in my grandma and she seems to always be in low light and she just mainly yeah, because yeah. no one wants to go and put the big light on in the living room i don't struggle with every sense i don't struggle with smell really not in a way that the senses i the senses i think naturally i just don't like because it's like that's not a great smell this is interesting because I'm extremely hypersensitive to smell, but see that's why it's not always an issue. Meeting you, but like for me, like I really got into essentials, like a really temporary, like brief, really like mm-hmm. obsessive thing. But you know what? The adult when you buy quite a few, just gonna put that out there. They get quite costly. <laughs> um, and so like for me, it's so common having smells. So that's why I've got an electric diffuser. Not all smells are common. There's some smells that are like disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, see now I hate strong smells of any kind. Like. I think a lot of my sensory issues tie into a health thing as well though where like really strong smell and perfume I have very strong allergic reactions to and the smell knocks me sick. Yeah so for you it's like a protective measure. It might be um, (laughs) but then also like it sounds strange and this could actually be protective because I am allergic to mould any kind like I can't even have penicillin and you can't either. No. Um, And basically if there's a slight bit of mould or damp anything similar in the environment i mean i can smell it from quite a distance away so my family thought it was hysterical to call me inspector mold because <laughs> that's how hypersensitive my smell is 
It's like your new messenger name. <laughs> I know. It's like People you can, say to me, they're like, it's like, like mum will find it. And I'm like, what do you think I am? <laughs> I'll send it to you. It's like, Cliff, on would I lie to you? And it turned out to be a lie, and he had to say, I can smell a dead fly in a room. And he was like, I can't locate it, I can just to. smell it. And it was so funny because you knew it was just ridiculous. And it was just it's such a great show. Mainly because I can't lie. <laughs> it's like, how do people do that? It's like, my mum can just lie. I shouldn't say that. I mean, oh, we've talked about it as well before, but I can smell the level of humidity, so I can smell yeah, it. It's I was just about to say, she smells fun. That's great. This is, I think, fate destined us to me. And I'm convinced your sense of smell. You're like X-Men level of like, I know, it's crazy. She's there like, I smell fun. Are you safe? Are you in the house? And I'm like, shit, no. <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm like, oh no. Kitchy version. Um, uh, I've also written down taste. I'm just gonna confess it took me a long time to think of the five senses and you know that's like <laughs> primary school level like okay. ingredient too. and i'm sitting there said put, like me. hearing smell and i'm like what do you want? <laughs> text me and you're like let's do it by um, sense. sense i'm thinking which we've not brain's not working time. today i don't know what she's on about <laughs> how many are there which are there you didn't see me sitting for 15 minutes staring at her trying to work out what the senses are but yeah, taste is a funny one again because if you asked me today, I've sent the three shoes with taste, I'd say no, but I'm a very fussy eater, so maybe that's why. The thing is, though, like, because I wouldn't say I am, I'm one of those people, I'll try everything. I eat so many weird foods and it confuses everyone. Um, I don't think it's a taste thing with me, actually. I think it's a texture thing, but in the mouth. Like, I'm not big on fruit. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of, I'm not big on really mushy, smooth textures. But again, I wouldn't say it's like a sensory, I need to avoid that. It's something that's improved through my life. Yeah, like, I'm trying more now than I ever would have in the past. Yeah, I'm like that person, even as a kid, like anything. And I'm just like moving on from that. There's more than five senses. I've heard this, but there's like no consensus <laughs> on what they are. So on the National Autistic Society website. Oh, yeah. Now they've got names. Balance is also known as vestibular, which I can say. The other one is body awareness, but like spatial, and that's got a name that a, a proper name, oh, an official I, name. I've known it, but it's I just like can't process. It. I can't say it. So we're <laughs> gonna call it body awareness, but it's spatial because I think there's like awareness about your body that isn't spatial. Mm -hmm. And I think with balance, should we start with balance to make yeah. it be easier? <laughs> balance was really interesting because I think you know what it is—a sense being able to be balanced. It is. I wouldn't say I've ever struggled with balance. I actually had like really good when we got got we fit got on that bandwagon and it was like have your centre of balance and I had an extremely good centre of balance. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna listen back. Just thinking over like my response I'm about to give to you and I'm gonna think, oh my god, I'm just like a genetic mess <laughs> because I my mean, balance is. Dreadful. I thought that for a very long time of knowing you. <laughs> but it's bad in two different ways actually because I've got problems with my ears. <laughs> It's just hopeless, aren't I? Everyone's listening to this. Come on, how does she cope? I'm not sure. <laughs> no, like, again, tying back to the fact that my sinuses are just dreadful means that it impacts my ears. Like, basically, I've got um, problems with the joint in my jaw that's right in front of your ear, and then that blocks everything going into my ear. So I've got something called eustachian dysfunction, eustachian tube dysfunction. So, like, if I get on a plane, I have to have these filters in my ears, otherwise, like, my ear might pop. <laughs> like, not in the way you expect it to pop, like, because my eardrums are at risk. So I regularly get, like, vertigo. Um, so that's, like, an extreme balance problem where there's dizziness and you just feel like severely sick, you can't get out of bed. Um, it can just get to that 
point where it's a severe illness. But then there's also the side of, as I've said to you before, I was never officially diagnosed as dyspraxic because although my family were like, your balance isn't right, your coordination isn't right, and they had it assessed back then in the 90s, it was like really hard to get a proper assessment. And now as an adult, like they're trying to raise it as an issue on Twitter. Yeah, I've seen it. It's really good that I think it's come up because I think exactly. it really... It needs to be addressed. It like, needs to be. You can't get a diagnosis of dyspraxia if you're an adult. Really? No, I, apparently not. Like I've brought it up a couple of times and been told like, well you can't be assessed now because it's developmental and we don't know what you were like then. But when I did see physio, she was like, yeah, your balance is pretty bad, like, on the whole, and it's nothing to do with injury. I remember you messaging me, and that's like, I think my physio's just confirmed I'm dyspraxic. Yeah, exactly. Because my balance is awful, like, I trip over my own feet. But the reason that I think it's linked to dyspraxia is because I don't know how accurate this is. It's not something I've read into a huge deal, but... The rule that I've read about with dyspraxia is that the movement pathways in the brain are not solidified. So like one day you might wake up and it's working properly and, you know, you might be able to walk in a straight line. And it's a thing of if you see something obstructing your way, you will automatically know to move it because you're aware of the movement factor, meaning you might trip over it. But then other days it doesn't always fire properly. So then you might wake up and it just doesn't work. And this has happened to me a couple of times. Like most of the time when I'm out, like up and around in the house, if there's something on top of the bin and I need to get into the bin, then I know I need to move that. Otherwise it's going to tip everywhere. But then there's been a couple of times where that automatic process doesn't happen. And I've already opened the bin and tipped everything on top of it everywhere before I go, oh, why didn't my brain kick in and do that? It's like there's just a bit missing when it comes to movement process and it's quite mm. frightening. <laughs> I've gone to the National Autistic Society website about okay. more with balance because it did cover more than I thought. Um, what it said about undersensitive, so hypersensitive, is about the need to rock, swing or spin to get some sensory input. See, I don't know about you, but I stim by pacing, so I guess that is kind of... No, because pacing annoys me. I'm one of those people really? that's like, sit the hell down. Oh no, that, that's like my stim. No. That's the way I like cope. And if I'm happier, if I'm solid... Pace. <laughs> but I love swings. I've always loved swings, like since I was a kid. Like See, I always wanted one of those swing chairs from the seat. I don't know if this is a hyper sensitivity and that's a hypo because swings like literally make me feel nauseous. No, like actually roundabout, like merger anything that spins, anything that swings, I'm like I'm like I'm Anything there. that changes my balance is way too much input. And I yeah. think that's a hyper issue. Whereas, like, if you're hypo, I imagine you probably do like to... Even rocking, because my grandma's always had a rocking chair in her room, and, like, since I was a kid, I love it. That's just <laughs> great. And then there's oversensitive, which is difficulties with activities like sport. I don't do sport. I was that person no. on the other side of the field running after ball. So I was a very good runner, actually. I'm actually going to tie this into your next one, which is Yeah, body well, this is the awareness. thing. I thought it was more body awareness, because, like, I don't throw or catch, like, well, everyone very quickly. Knew. That was my problem, was, like, yeah. I'd be the person, the ball would be the, like, other side of the room or the field, and I'd be, like, running away from it, thinking it was right here next to me. Yeah. Like, I've got no concept of other items in location to myself. Yeah, well... I mean, I think body awareness does cover that one because that, for me, is, like... I sort of see things... To me, this is a safety function. If I see something flying towards me, I move. I don't go to catch it, I move. For me, it's more the issue of, like, it can be about 10 miles away from me. (laughs) If it's in my vision, I've reacted. (laughs) I heard one where I sat at the back of my psychology AS classroom 
and my teacher was throwing like some sweets at me and I was like he chucked it to someone else on the table and he was like why aren't you gonna catch it i'm like just come bring it to me because it had like you know a sort of scream when you throw it like at the other person <laughs> on the table and i'm like just come and walk through the maze of tables and just give it to me come on <laughs> the panic was like ah no i can't throw and catch and this is how i explain why i think i'm distracted to most people is because it first happened when i was little my granddad realized i couldn't throw and catch a ball and he spent like a full day on a field making me throw and catch this ball. By the end of the day, I was good, I could do it. The next day, he was like, come on, let's do it. And it was gone. No. The pathway could not form. And it no happened. One, no one's tried with I me. tried explaining it with a colleague and work. So he was like, right, we're going to do it with keys. <laughs> and again, like by the end of the shift, I had it, I was doing it. Like a day or two later, <laughs> gone. And he was just like, how? <laughs> so this is the thing for me. If I see something coming towards me, I'm going to move. I just. <laughs> I'm gonna go because I don't want to be hit by something. It's a horrible sensation, isn't it? <laughs> so something's coming towards me, like I'm not gonna go. Oh, what's that? No, I'm off. This is why people are like, why aren't you sympathetic to birds? Why do you hate birds? And I'm like, because they move, <laughs> they fly, and they She's come in your direction. She's not quite sure if it's nearer or not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is. I think this is a good thing about like judging personal space. If you've got like poor awareness of where you are. You're not going to be aware of what you're in relation to someone else. But I'm the way where I take too much of it. Like, I'm yeah. not the type that gets right up in your personal space. Yeah. I have met people like that, but I'm, like, I have. walking across, like, the other side of the I room. Must, I don't struggle with personal space because it's mainly, like, most of those games in primary school, it's, like, make sure you're not near anyone. You spin your arms around, like, way oh, too yeah, long. Oh, yeah, like, hold your arms up. Yeah. So then I'd get annoyed with other people if they were, like, in my space there. I'd be like, no. Oh, yeah, no. I was, like, when I was vicious kid. as a kid. I get it from my mother. My mother taught no prisoners as a kid. Well, I remember, actually, I don't know if yours would have been the same, but in assembly, we had to sit on the floor with yeah. our legs crossed. And the problem was they'd squash you in that tight. The other kids' knees would be knocking. I had a small primary school, I was alright. Well, what I used <laughs> to do is like just cut my hands over my knees because then it's like I can cope with them knocking into my hand better than my knee. And they actually started telling me off. I think they even told my mum, they were like, she's being horrible to the other kids. She's like holding <laughs> their knees and pushing them out. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, sensory spatial awareness issues and not coping I always, that. I've got like what I call the armadillo sense of I always want to be curled up in a ball. Um, so for me, I never used to sit cross legs and luckily you never told me off. I used to sit and like hug my legs. Oh, okay. So I, I always took up less space. Cause yeah, I was, the like... type of primary school, I'd just take issue with anything, even if it didn't matter, it was going to be pulled up on, it wasn't fun. I mean, my, you know what, my second primary school was, was pretty chill, and the first one was alrightish. Another thing, you remember like the chairs with the metal legs, and you'd be sat at a desk like two? Yeah. And oh my gosh, I remember sitting next to someone who was a lovely person, but would constantly knock the leg of their chair into mine. And the metal clang and the sensation no. of it, I couldn't deal with this. What I started doing, I didn't know I was doing anything bad to this person. <laughs> I was just like wrapping my legs around the bottom of my chair legs. I did that because then it's like they're not gonna knock into it. But then the way the desk was laid out, I didn't know they couldn't actually get their chair in. <laughs> and instead of just explaining that to me, of course the teacher was like, "You're being horrible." And I was like, "No, I'm really not trying to protect myself either." This, you know what? Like, let's be honest, primary schools are just. Full of stuff like oh, that. I hope it? they've gotten better. I have no idea, but I really no. don't think they have, unfortunately. They've got no clue when it comes to autism. I mean, yeah, I know a few people more recently are like beginning to struggle, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> Me and my mum always say, like, how dreadful it was that 
I went to three different schools and not one of them picked up on the fact that I was an autistic child. And it's like, you know, it's easier for them to tell you off for you to be yeah. the awkward naughty child than the kid that's struggling. Like that's the thing for me, there was definitely no signs up until I was like the end of primary school and like <laughs> friendship broke down and like the things were changed that's when I was beginning to struggle. But then like there was some really clear obvious signs and I think I mean that's the thing like with me, I was in two primary schools and then I was in three different high schools. And it wasn't even the one that was a special school that was like, Oh yeah, she's yeah. autistic. We we kind of suspect that actually the headmaster knew. She never says anything, but it was like, it just kind of feels like now someone definitely yeah. should have picked up on it. <laughs> the other thing that I was thinking about talking to you about with all this like sensory yeah. differences is, you know, who even neurotypicals talk about if you need to hear something, you close your eyes to hear it properly. Or there's another one of, of like closing I... your ears to see properly. I have to do that sometimes like what, otherwise what I just this? can't focus it's like basically having to close one sense to focus another so if you really need to listen to something I noticed it more so with transcription because you've got to listen so carefully I have to close my eyes because there's too much to process otherwise I've never done that really no. or like sometimes if I'm really having to look and strain my eyes it's like ears are closed no <laughs> really? you don't get that no like I can't what is this thing? I'm just thinking of like hear no evil, speak no evil, speak no evil. I'm just picturing like, little monkeys. <laughs> I'm just picturing you sitting like the little monkey. Yeah, it looks something like that as well. I've seen I've seen little owls that actually with and they were cute. Well, no, it's really literally like, you're trying to listen. So like I'm listening to you now. I've closed my eyes so I can hear you better. Because there's just not as much information coming in. You're looking at me like really disturbed right now. This is... I don't know. It just makes things sharper because you get rid of one sense. Like, you know how... See, my, like... I've never had problems with, like, eyesight or hearing. So for me, I don't I did have problems as Like, my hearing's so good that I don't need to focus anything in because my hearing's already hyper-focused in on everything. See, mine is, but it's like if I need to attend to a certain part of it, I've got to, like... No, Shut one this is off. new to me. I think it might be because I'm hypersensitive with both eyes and ears. Yes, so am I. I don't know that. This is crazy. I didn't, like. I just thought everyone done this. I'm sure I've read that other people do it. I mean, other people probably do. I mean, I'm like a pretty rubbish sample. I don't think there's anything else for sensory things. What do you do to cope? Like, I have such a great sensory environment. My room, especially my little attic room, my little tower room. I've created this lovely sensory environment and I think sensory rooms and sensory lights I think are great. And I think everywhere should have them just because everyone loves them. I don't know anyone who's not gone into a sensory room and Which gone. Like, like, oh, I, can't, I can't cope with them, the ones with all the lights. It depends on type, like if they're really bright lights, but yeah. I've been in ones that have got like star, like well, galaxy I mean, lights. I we went into one at a conference and it was the big fish tank. I loved that. That was just really cool. Oh, that was, was so like, cool. I'm, I'm that visual. kid that could have stayed in an aquarium for like four days straight. I love aquariums. See, I couldn't cover the smell of aquariums, but I did I like fish. the big visual fish tank. It was lovely. I love fish. fish Whereas, fish. you know, the ones they have, I think it's more aimed at kids where it's like a little square room and there's just like these big circular lights going on. Oh, oh no, oh, like no. the ones I've been in when um, Autumn together with Slumberg and Head, I went and they had like, you could pull a kind of over and it was like a galaxy light and it had like more like sort of starlights and had like little like rippling galaxies every so oh, that often. Oh, lovely. And like when I was little, and this is one of the really big like early sensory experiences, 
is it was like aimed at babies, like a little, it played like a soft tune and it had a light and it projected onto the ceiling. I know which ones you mean. I think I have one. And it was like, you had to put a cartridge in it. Like it wasn't some like high tech one. It was like, <laughs> and like, I, I kept using that basically until it broke because I loved it and it was so calm. Oh. And like, I can't go to sleep without having noise in the background because otherwise I pick up on all little sounds and they keep me oh, awake. Really? So I've got to have, I've been watching a lot of Bob Ross, the Joy of Pain. Oh, my brother is obsessed with Bob Ross. Yes. He's going to be like your new best friend after hearing that. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my god, it's great and it makes me want to paint. I used to do that. Like, I used to keep my TV on in the background, but I think I'm so used to the level of noise in my house that that doesn't bother my me. My house shuts down at night time. Yeah, exactly. Basically. Up until I was 20, I had to sleep with the lights on, otherwise I just couldn't get to sleep. And it wasn't even a fear of the dark. I never really had a phobia of the dog. It's just I like the, the only way I could sleep was with the light on. I remember my mum even getting me like I don't know if you remember them. They like these little luminous stars that you stick on the ceiling. See, I can't deal with them because it was up until I was about sixteen. Room had to be pitch black for me to sleep. Oh, okay. See, this was to try but and I get can't me to deal like, with get rid of the light. I couldn't deal with eye masks because no, of sensation. Them. But now I've got like a really soft, like fleecy one that makes me look like I'm bare, which is cute. <laughs> So funny, and like, but that's nice because it's soft. But like, I, I mean, got blackout curtains, and that was yeah. Perfect. I mean, how I sleep is very sort of. I take medication, take melatonin. Yay! Thank you for working. <laughs> but yeah, I have a night like I just like, I ah, just have a routine. Not... I have a routine to sleep, so then it's like I know like my body's I trained. Sleep. And it's then what I do. <laughs> it's kind of like keeping it at a nice sensory level, but yeah. no extra smells, no like extra noise or extra lights anymore it's all just shut yeah. down see for me i like have to add everything or i can't sleep i'll tell you the thing i'll deal with clocks i cannot have a clock in the same room i'm in or i go absolutely insane see for me it's even rooms away like if i was in the living room i could hear the clock in the kitchen oh yeah exactly. and this is the thing like no one come to think of it we don't have clocks anywhere in the house anymore thankfully like it's the thing is, it's absolutely, my favourite thing my grandma does, being deaf, she says, oh, I didn't hear that. And I'm just like, grandma, yeah, you've got 25% hearing in one ear. Of course she didn't hear that. And she's like, can you hear that? I'm like, yes, grandma. Mum's like, of course you can, supersonic ears. This is the thing, like, this is what's really nice about, like, having phones. It's, it's there. Yeah. But I think because I don't have to leave in pitch black, it's not too bad. But, yeah, like, clock's ticking. And it's really funny because people don't, people don't believe me. I'm like, no, I can hear it ticking. I'm like, tick, tick. Of course she can hear it ticking. Like, how could you not? <laughs> People can't. But yeah, Alex loves clocks and he didn't realise for a while, like every time I go to see him, I'd just be straight into overload. Clocks. And yeah, he had this big clock on his wall that ticks. And in the end, he realised, before I arrive, take the clock down. <laughs> yeah, it was um, really funny because I used to, when I was little, I always stayed loads at my grandma's. And I was little, ironically, it's the room I now live in. I couldn't sleep up in the attic on my room. And we think that was because of like, because it's a dormer window, like all the wind and things house. It's quite a noisy yeah. room to be in, actually. Somehow I manage. Um, so yeah. we are going to do a special edition episode, which is also going to go up at the same time, or maybe a little bit sooner. Whenever. Really it's going to go up. Yeah, it's going to go up, <laughs> basically. Um, and then next week, we're going to come back with a full proper episode about travelling. Yep. That's going to be really ranty, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've just been travelling, so I've got a lot to get off my chest. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Tales of Melissa on a Plane. <laughs> Thank you for listening.